Hi, this is Philip Holland, host of Hope for the Day. I'm so excited that you are listening and you have this to look forward to from today's message. Because the end is near, how this ought to affect us, it ought to affect us in this way that we ought to be urgent. There's an urgency that you ought to have with the way that you are living your life. But it's not just an urgency about uh, you want to get more, you want to go farther, you want to rise higher. It's not that type of an urgency. The urgency that I'm talking about here is, again, an eternal urgency that we have. A common question people are asking in our current day is, is this the end? We are hearing stories of locusts devouring portions of Africa, historic fires across the United States, floods, hurricanes, and earthquakes throughout the world. That is not to mention a pandemic our world has dealt with. Digital currency that is growing in popularity and vaccines that if not administered can limit your travel. And of course, the continual rumors of war. Well, in this two-part sermon, we are going to answer the question, is this the end? From a biblical point of view, we are specifically going to look at a passage of scripture from 2 Peter 3, which informs us about how we can understand the days we live in. Please remember that no matter what today's new headline is, what catastrophe our world is dealing with, or what illness you might be recovering from, or what ailment you might be struggling through, or what war is getting discussed, Jesus has already won. Even though Satan might be roaring, we can always have confidence that Jesus is coming. Enjoy the message. And these are the types of things that we can hang on to in, in times of challenge, in times of struggle. And again, as we come, we're going to come into this text that we're going to look at, we're going to figure out how it is that we can hang on our faith, how it is that we can sort through all of the signs and the challenges. And here's what the idea or the concept one of the, that I want you to understand. What I feel like I, makes most sense to me as I read the scripture and as I look at our world that is around us is that the point that Peter's making, the point that mentors of mine have made, even the point that I want to make to you is that the signs have always been with us. You see, Satan hasn't ever stopped working. I think he's always up to something. And we can think in our minds that, well, Satan, whenever Jesus returns, then he's finally going to rally his army. Then, he is, then he's finally going to get to work. But the truth is, he's always at work. And we're trying to read the signs to figure out when Jesus is going to come. But the reality is it's going to be flipped. Is Jesus going to come? And then the signs are going to make sense. Because Satan doesn't know when that's going to happen. And because he doesn't know, what I would present to you is that he's always got an Antichrist on deck. And he's just waiting for Jesus to come. And then he's going to bring that person to power. He's just, he's always going to be working a few signs. He's always going to have a mark of the beast in the works. He's always going to have something happening with a particular group of people that are going to come up against God's people. He's always working a little bit of that. So that way, when Jesus does return, he's going to be ready to come at us full force. And so people live and people die and it's, it's this continual process. It's continually turning over again and again and again. And then one day, whenever that day comes, all of a sudden, all those signs are going to make a whole lot of sense. And so we come into this text then that maybe will meet you where you're at. And Peter says, above all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come scoffing. 
and following their own evil desires. They will say, where is this coming? He promised, ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. And, and so people maybe were considering believing in Jesus, people were considering placing their faith in Christ, but now they're not. In fact, they're scoffing. Or maybe there were just some who never had any intention at all in believing in Jesus. Maybe they never even attended a service and they're just been scoffing and they just think these beliefs that these Christians have is unbelievably silly. But they deliberately forget. In other words, they knew about what it is that Peter is getting ready to write. They deliberately forget that long ago, by God's word, the heavens came into being and the earth was formed out of water and by water. And by these same waters, also the world at that time was deluged and destroyed. So what he's saying, and if you, if you are a parent or you're a grandparent, you, you, might, you might know what he's getting at here. Essentially what he's saying is, is that God is going to bring judgment on the world. God is going to discipline the world. It is absolutely gonna happen and you know this because it's already happened. It's like if you tell your child, if you do that again, if you say that again, if you don't obey me, then this is what's gonna happen. And then you, they, don't, they do whatever it is that they aren't supposed to do or they disobey in some way and then you, you discipline them. You take away the game system. You maybe put them in timeout. You maybe give them a spanking. You do something along those lines and then all of a sudden they know you're serious. Hey, if you do this, then I'm gonna do this. And what Peter is saying is that God did this And now he's telling us that one day he's gonna do something like this again, but he's not gonna do it with water. He's gonna do it with fire. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. But do not forget this. One thing, dear friends, and here is the key text for us. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. This is the end times map that we are talking about. That from our vantage point, we're looking at a thousand years. 2,000 years, in fact, that Christianity has essentially been with us. But from God's vantage point, it's been two days. And we look at 2020 and we think, how, my goodness, can this year ever begin? But with end times math, do you know how long 2020 really was? With this type of a formula that's before us? 86.4 seconds. 86.4 seconds. That's all it was. And I mean, it was an eventful 86.4 seconds, to say the least. But that's all it was, is 86.4 seconds. And what this tells us also is that your life and my life is probably going to amount to about an hour and a half. And that since Christianity was essentially established in this world, we've only gone through two days. First day was the first thousand years, second day was the second thousand years, and the third day is this thousand years that we're coming into. And when I read my Bible, I don't know how, about how it is when you read, you, read, you read your Bible, but when I read my Bible, the third day is a pretty significant day. When, when I read my Bible, there was, some, there was a very significant thing that happened on the third day. That, that on the third day, Satan all of a sudden realized he hadn't won, but he had lost. That on the third day, we didn't have to live under the law anymore. And instead, there was a God who came and he died for us and he rose from the grave. That on the third day, there is that resurrection that we sang about earlier. On the third day, there is a lot of hope. And so maybe in the third day, 
maybe over the course of these next however many years, maybe Jesus is going to come into this world. But in the meantime, how do we not become one of these scoffers? How do we not become somebody who seemingly gives up on taking our faith serious in this time? How do we become somebody who is not just wasting our lives? How do we make the most of this little bit of time that we have left? Because the end is near. It is absolutely near. But from God's vantage point, we don't know exactly when that's going to happen. Thank you for tuning in to Hope for the Day. Our mission is to offer you hope through Christ-centered biblical preaching. We certainly hope this broadcast is doing just that for you today. You might not know this, but each of these sermons are recorded live at Valley View Christian Church in the Denver metropolitan area. If you live in the city, we would love to meet you in person. We offer Sunday services at 9 and 10.30 a.m. We have programming for children of all ages, dynamic worship, plenty of opportunities to get connected beyond Sundays, outreach initiatives, and much, much more. And do you want to know why we do all that we do? Because so much of our church leadership has had their life changed by a local church. Because it is here that we met Jesus, and He changed our lives. And we want Jesus to change your life as well. So attend a service at Valley View Christian Church. We'd love to meet you personally. We're located just south of Highlands Ranch off of Highway 85 Santa Fe. You can go to our church's website, valleyviewcc.com, for more information. Now let's get back to our program. And so how do we make the most of this time? Well, let's get back to our text, because Peter tells us, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. And what we see here is that God is patient. And this is one of those qualities of God that we need to be applying to our lives, especially as it relates to everything coming back together. And so if you want to know how you need to live in the end times, and with the end being near, the first thing is that you need to be patient. And we often look at the challenges, we look at the trials, we see a few seconds go by. And we're wondering what is going on, what is happening. And really what we're mostly worried about isn't necessarily Jesus coming back. It's like this Antichrist rising up and us going through tribulations. And we're wondering, you know, how hard is it really going to be? And what God is telling us is that we need to be patient because we are looking at a house. We're looking at our, maybe our children. We're looking at some of the things we want to enjoy in this life. You know, I'm saying, God, I don't want you. Jesus, don't come back now. I've had 10 years that I haven't slept because of kids. And I've got one who I think is about to turn the corner, so please don't give me, give me a couple more years, Jesus, so that way I can get some sleep. <laughs> and I'm not feeling all exhausted. Come on, Jesus, give me a little longer. So, but some of us don't feel like that. We're like, hey, you know, let's end this whole thing. But what we forget is that when he comes back, everything's lost. When we come back, when he comes back, everything is made right. But then that coworker of yours who doesn't believe in Jesus, they're gone. That spouse of yours who doesn't believe in Jesus, they're not gonna make it. That parent or that child or that grandchild of yours who doesn't have a professing faith in Jesus, they don't have a chance at that point. And so we have to think about things a little bit more eternally when it comes to being patient. It doesn't mean that we won't have challenges because we will, but we have to be patient in the midst of them because God doesn't want anyone to perish. And maybe you've heard, maybe, maybe I think I shared this with you a while, a couple years ago, but, but patience is something that we struggle with. Let me, let me just show you this. We're in a society that struggles with waiting. 
We, we send packages by Federal Express, cell phone company called Sprint. Personal finances are managed on Quicken. Company finances are managed on QuickBooks. We schedule our appointments on a day runner. We diet with Slim Fast and we wear swimming trunks by Speedo. <laughs> we struggle with being patient. And I just want you to know that this is not God's will for you. This is not what God has intended for your life. He doesn't want you to wear Speedos. That isn't something that he would ever want for you or for anybody that would ever see you. It's just not, it's just not his plan. But, but patience is difficult when we go through trials. And this book is written by a man named Rod Dreyer, Live Not By Lies. He talks about some of the direction that he sees things going. And he says in this book, and again, he's prophesying a little bit. He's predicting the future. Nobody really knows. But he says the days of, of gulags and um, camps and Christians getting pushed off into camps and different things like that, communism, he said those, those days are really behind us. He doesn't envision that type of a, of a regime coming in. But what he does envision is this, and you can disagree, but I'll make the point here in a minute where I'm going with this. He calls it a soft totalitarianism. He says you've got things like big tech censorship that's going to be a challenge for certain perspectives on Christianity. You have economic isolation that can take place if you don't agree or align perfectly with the direction of the government or whoever it is that has oversight of you. You have get Christians labeled as threats that, that if you're somebody who, I mean, and it's not that you're a part of a cult per se. It's not that, that you're spouting off um, specific dates that Jesus is going to return or, and, and you're, and you're kind of hunkering down in some sort of bunker. That's not, what, that's not what we're talking about here. It's just that you come to church, that you really believe what the Bible says. And he's saying there's gonna be a point at which there's gonna be a view that you're gonna be saw as an, a religious extremist because you really believe the Bible. And here's my point is with that coming, it's hard to be patient. But God's point of view isn't your comfort, or even my comfort. And as bad as it might be to say, his priority probably isn't even our freedom of speech, although I, I want it to be, and I think it's a very important thing that we have it. It seems as though, at least from Peter's vantage point, his priority is that, that as many as possible don't perish, but come to faith. And Jesus. And that leads into the next part that's going to help us to learn how it is that we ought to live in this time. But the day is going to come, and it will come like a thief. In other words, it's going to come all of a sudden. We aren't going to expect it. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. It's going to happen suddenly. And so do you know what that means for each and every one of us? That when this day comes, because the end is near, how this ought to affect us, it ought to affect us in this way, that we ought to be urgent. There's an urgency that you ought to have with the way that you are living your life. But it's not just an urgency about you wanna get more, you wanna go farther, you wanna rise higher. It's not that type of an urgency. The urgency that I'm talking about here is, again, an eternal urgency that we have. That, that when you're thinking about things from an eternal standpoint, now, you don't look at somebody as being an annoying coworker who you can't wait to leave or get fired. Instead, you interact with that person and you're thinking, I, I know you're really aggravated and you're rude and you're disrespectful, but you don't believe in Jesus. And that's my priority here. 
that's, that's the kind of urgency. But it's hard because we can get comfortable. Um, the, yesterday, I have this, this third grade group of um, hooligans, <laughs> otherwise known as boys, um, who won a basketball game. And going into this, see, half the team is second graders. And so going into this season, I'm thinking to myself, I just hope we don't get beat by 30 points every game. I just hope, and so, you know, I'm like on edge, and we go into the game, and, and, they, and then all of a sudden, it's a close game. I can't believe it. And then somehow, by the end, we win. And you would have thought those kids won the Super Bowl after they won that particular. It was unbelievable. They were so excited. It was great. But one of the things that my coach has always harped on me about, and it'll be one of the first things that I say to them on Tuesday when we got practice, is don't get complacent. Don't get comfortable. We've got to have urgency because you've still got five more games. Just because you won one doesn't mean you're going to win the rest. Thank you for tuning in to Hope for the Day. We hope this message has been an encouragement to you. I know it has been to others. I recently received a message from a listener of ours who said, thank you for these messages on Hope for the Day. It is encouraging and refreshing to hear biblical-centered teaching that continually points people to Christ. This is one of the several notes that I've received from people that are blessed by our program. That is why we want to continue this program on the radio, but that can only happen through the generous contributions of listeners like yourself. If you'd like to partner with us financially, just go to Valley View Christian Church's website, valleyviewcc.com, and then click on the Give tab there. Once you click on the tab, just designate a gift to go to the radio ministry of Hope for the Day. Your gift would be an incredible blessing to this ministry. And as always, we want to meet you personally as well. That is why if you live in the Denver metropolitan area, we want to extend an invitation to you to visit us in person at one of our Sunday services, 9 and 10.30 a.m. If you do, please introduce yourself to me, Philip Holland. I'd love to meet you. Now let's get back to the program. And maybe you've had some success with your faith. Maybe you've even led someone to faith in Christ. Maybe it's your children, praise God. Maybe it's a spouse or friends or coworkers, but that's the kind of urgency that you have to continue to maintain. We all have to maintain that when you see somebody, you don't see them as an annoyance. You don't see them as an inconvenience, that you see them as a child of God, somebody whose God's son came into this world and they died for. That when you look at these people, you're saying, There's, I can share something with them that's gonna make a difference. When I was eight years old, I remember somebody seeing that in me and sharing the gospel with me for the first time. And there was a family that lived across the street from us. They were grandparents and I played with their grandson. It was uh, Betty and Earl Burris. And they were great people. I mean, Betty had a little bit of a temper, but they were still great people. You still be a Christian, have a temper. <laughs> Nobody's perfect. Anyway, Earl one day says, Phil, come here. And he, I come over to his table and, and Dustin, come here. And so I said, that was his grandson. And we sat down and he pulls out this cup. And that, I mean, this was the last place I wanted to be. I wanted to be outside playing. I wanted to go do something. And, and then he starts talking to me about the Bible, talking to both of us. And essentially what he says is, is that you are the cup. You are the clay and God is the potter. And if you want to become what God has created you to become, you need to place your life into his hands. And I'm like, I'm, I'm losing my mind. I want to get out of there. But, but that, in that moment, he didn't just see this annoying little eight-year-old that was at their house too much because I didn't want to be at my house. 
He didn't see this kid that they would take out the lunch and I never had any money, so they would often have to pay for my lunch which I'm sure was annoying. He didn't see this kid who, you know, they were always wondering if he was a bad influence on his grandson, which I probably was to a certain extent. Instead, he saw a boy from an eternal vantage point who needed to hear about this Jesus who he believed in. That's what it means to live urgently with an eternal urgency. And Peter goes on again, since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed, it's coming. He's saying you ought to be distinct. You ought to be different. You ought to stand out. And then he goes on, and that day, that day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with this promise, we are looking forward to this new heaven and this new earth where righteousness dwells. And he's pointing us towards this expectant return. And so how do you live? Well, you live expectantly. I mean, I could say you live confidently. I could also say that you live distinctly because you should be all of those things. But in the midst of this expectancy, there's just something different about the way that you live. It's like one person I know of, they, they, put, a, they put a card in their mailbox and the card says, hey, hey, if you don't hear from us in a couple of days, please check on our pets because Jesus is taking us home. <laughs> True story. That's what it means to live expectantly. I mean, I'm saying you should do that. That's kind of weird. But <laughs> my point is, is there's a certain level of confidence that you have that Jesus is coming back. And he points back to us being holy and being pure and being distinct and being different and being a people that the world admires and wants to be like and wants to have what it is that you have. And many of you have that, but not as many of us show it. And all of that brings me to a story I heard recently by a man, um, Dr. Ray Edmond. He's a preacher from many years ago. A son of his was drafted into the war at the time that was taking place. His name was Charlie, and Charlie had a younger brother named Norman, who absolutely idolized Charlie. And so all their hearts were broken that, that, this, that he had been drafted, but they knew it was part of his service to the country. And so before Charlie left, Norman came to him in tears, and, and Charlie, seeing what was happening, he gave him a hat, a sailor's hat. It was a white one, and he said, he said, um, he said Norman, I want you to take care of this hat, and every single day I want you to wash it clean. And, and even when you wear it and it gets dirty, make sure you wash it clean that night. Don't give it to mom. This is your responsibility. You take care of this hat, okay? And so after Charlie had been off to war for well over a year, he was given a furlough. But the family didn't know when he was going to come back. And so all through that time, Norman had been taking care of the hat, washing it, cleaning it, wearing it, so proud of it, washing it every single day. And then one day at the dinner table, they hear this loud bang outside of their house. It was a car door. And so Charlie's sister runs over to the window. She looks out the window and she says, Charlie's here. And Norman, unlike the rest of the family, um, runs up the stairs as the, they all run outside to greet Charlie. And so when he comes in, Norman comes down the stairs wearing the sailor hat. As wide as the day it was first given to him. Charlie looks at it, looks at Norman. He says, Norman, I'm going to promote you. You're going to be the lieutenant now. 
And in a similar way, there's gonna be a loud bang. In fact, the scripture says the trumpet is gonna blast and there's gonna be a shout, Jesus is here, Jesus is here. And until that day comes, we need to every single day allow the blood of Christ to wash over us and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And in that, we will be living that distinct life that one day he will look at us and he will say, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. And so is the end near? Absolutely. But in this third day that we're entering into, there's still a lot to be done, a lot to be had. And so let's live for eternity as we begin to live out until that ultimate day comes and he says these words to us. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we're grateful for your Son and all that you have given us in him. And help us to be a people, Lord, who live with eternity in mind, to be patient through the trials, but to be urgent for those around us, to be expectant and confident, Father, of what it is that you have promised us, and Lord, to be a people who truly live for you. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. To learn more about this sermon, sermon series, or other messages, please visit our church's website at valleyviewcc.com. You can also find these radio segments on the Hope for the Day, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Valley View Christian Church is located just south of Highlands Ranch off of Highway 85, Santa Fe. We provide services at 9 and 10.30 a.m. every Sunday. This broadcast is made possible through generous contributions of listeners like you. If you'd like to partner with us financially, just go to our church's website and then click on the gift tab there. We look forward to having you join us again next time on Hope for the Day.